I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 257 of Better Podcasting. On this show, I discuss my recent trip to Nashville, Tennessee to attend Podcast Movement 2021. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we follow up with our first takes of Discord's new thread capability. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we tackle some listener responses to Stephen's Elgato microphone arm review. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to the 257th episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is the fantastic SP. Live and in person. Yes, this is me. This is great. I'm I, Every week, I just get jazzed to podcast about podcasting here on Better Podcasting, and it's great to be podcasting about podcasting with you, Stephen, this week. Likewise. Uh, also, if you didn't know this, at the beginning of the show, we like to talk about how I save my podcast. Basically, if you have something that goes wrong with your podcast, let us know. How did it go wrong? How did you fix the problem? Did you fix the problem? And this just helps everybody get their creative juices going. I'll make mine super short this week. Super short because I did have something go wrong, but it's very similar. Well, it is basically things that have happened before, but I just want to mention it because it's been a while since we've mentioned things going wrong with our podcast. And I hope that me sharing helps a new podcaster listening know that it's okay if things go wrong. And uh, yeah, last week I went and the way that I edit, I usually edit the Guinea Geek show on one day and the next day I usually edit the uh, Better Podcasting episode or, you know, put it together in the case of the Better Podcasting live chat. And so on Friday last week, I downloaded the audio files from the SD card I was using in the Roadcaster Pro. For the Guinea Geek show. And then on Saturday, I went to pull the better podcasting files and basically the SD card was corrupt. So luckily, no. my good friend here, SP, as we've talked about before, multi-tracks on his end so that he had my audio on his side. Now, here's the thing. The audio quality isn't perfect just because of the way that the audio is going back and forth between us. So essentially, I just used his track mostly as a guideline of where I could see visually on the track when I was speaking, and then I just went and took from the video file that we had recorded my audio and just put it on the proper track. So it was like 90% the usual sound that we would have on that show. It, it, I would say probably higher than that. It was probably 95%. And then if there was a little bit of over-talking, because on Better Podcasting Live Chat, we do sometimes talk a little more over each other than we do here. I just then used that lower quality track from him so that I could I can make it all work. So he sounded 100% like he normally did. And let's be honest, he is the most important person on any podcast. And also, I was like 95% there. So again, not really anything new. Acknowledge that here, right here and right now. But I do want to mention that right now, just because hopefully if you had something go wrong, you know, sometimes you might be able to get through it. 
happens to the best of us and the worst of us in my case, because let's be honest, I'm I, I'm down there. I it, the worst of you, the best of you, it's all like it's it's an incredibly small bandwidth between the top and the bottom there. Uh, I need to clarify something, though. You said you mentioned that you had recorded the video. I just need to clarify. You record that locally. Mm -hmm. You use XSplit to record that locally. So it's not going out like I do on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it's being recorded on YouTube or whatever. So you're actually getting the better audio quality or better audio quality than you can have if you were using a recording service for the video. It was locally done, which has its own drawbacks from time to time. I mean, we've had issues with that as well. But just to clarify with everybody, he's using a second tier of audio quality, but it's it's better because he's being able to record locally so he doesn't have to go through the Internet or any Internet compression out there. It's just all being done on his machine. Excellent clarification. And if you have any questions about any of this, get in touch with us through our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. But we do have a full video companion to the show. So you could always send us an email with a video to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. If you check out our other podcast, the one that I just mentioned, Better Podcasting Live Chat, you know that in the most recent episode SP talked about his experience attending this year's podcast movement convention season scene. We wanted to, I know I made that up. We wanted to cover it over there because we recorded that episode immediately after his return from podcast movement. So obviously we had some people who had some questions and that was a great fit over on the Better Podcasting live chat because we over there take listener questions each episode and answer them on the show. That's the nature of the Better Podcasting Live chat show. Well, as we've mentioned before, we do know that there are some audience differences between this show and the Better Podcasting Live chat. This is something that since we've been doing Better Podcasting Live chat, we quickly established that there is not a one-for-one overlap between the two shows. And the long story short on this is that After we finished recording that Better Podcasting live chat where SB gave his thoughts on podcast movement, I I said to SB, SB, this was an amazing job that you did because he prepared a lot of notes. And and I was floored with what an in-depth review that he did over there. And so I wanted to make sure I boosted his ego. And I said, I said, SB, this was amazing. And, And it truly was. And we got talking and really thought this audience here, the Better Podcasting audience, really needed to hear his review. At least that's my take on it. So with a little gentle nudge, I said to SP, SP, let's get that review on this show here because I do think a lot of you listening are going to find the things that SP talked about to be really fascinating and really helpful. I'm a guy who has never attended Podcast Movement, and I'm a hobbyist that has sort of thought, well, would there be benefit to me going? And SP tackles this review from the hobbyist perspective, and he gives a lot of insight and a lot of things that I think hobbyists should think about as far as whether they want to go to podcast movement or not. So that's what we're going to do this week is actually take a section of that review and give it for you here today. But 
if you did listen to the Better Podcasting live chat, then you will know that there were some listener questions that were asked. If you want to hear those questions and answers, you can go check out that episode of the Better Podcasting live chat, because that won't be in this episode. But it's also been a week since SP talked about podcast movement over on Better Podcasting live chat. So once we play this review, he's actually got some follow-up notes now that things have had a bit of time to digest, right, SP? Yeah, and just some things that he didn't follow up with in the actual review. So we'll cover that after we play the clip. Yes, I traveled to Nashville, Tennessee, and I attended as an attendee, just a regular attendee. I attended, I paid for my own ticket too, by the way, Podcast Movement 2021. And I want to say a big shout out, a big thank you to John S. Badger. He runs the Mercury Theater podcast. He hosted me for the week. So it was really low cost for me to attend, and he really made it possible for me to be there. I just want to say thank you to him and his wife for being so generous with their accommodations to allow me to be there. It was fantastic. And if you want to know more about Mercury Theater Podcast, please go check it out. He's running a survey right now to see where he wants to go in the future. He was telling me some really exciting stuff, which he has planned for the next year or so go check that out at mercury theater podcast but to get back to podcast movement i had some goals with this right i i just didn't go like oh let's see if i want to travel so so many hundreds of miles to nashville and and just show up and and just you know go to podcast movement and just you know hey is this thing for me hmm. Well, there's a little bit of that, to be honest with you. But my number one goal was to avoid COVID. I don't want to get any political here right now, but unfortunately, here in the later summer of 2021, the pandemic is resurging. And I just I have some family issues that are coming up and I just didn't want the possibility of me to give COVID to my older relatives uh, with the wedding coming up and that sort of thing. So my number one thing was to avoid COVID. So what I did is I masked up the whole time. A little bit more on that later. Another goal was to have fun. As a hobby podcaster, I want to have fun. That's like my number one goal for everything. And I wanted to experience a podcast industry conference. Even though I'd been to conferences before and cons before and conventions before, I'd never been to a podcast industry-themed conference or convention before. So I wanted to go to one. I wanted to be able to learn new and innovative podcasting tips and capabilities because I heard if you wanted to learn about podcasting, go to a podcasting conference. You can learn all that. And in that light, I wanted to find anything of use for a hobby podcaster. Thus, my comments about Hindenburg Pro a little bit ago as a dog. I think that was useful for certain hobby podcasters. I wanted to spend some time with friends. I met up with a couple of friends that I wouldn't have ever have seen in person uh, definitely not in current times had it not been for this. And I wanted to experience not only a podcast conference, but a large industry podcast conference just as an average hobby podcaster. Didn't want to go there to really cover anything. I didn't want to go there to present. I just wanted to experience it as an average hobby podcaster. And last of all, I wanted to get motivated, re-energized, and refreshed to podcast for the next year. I heard that these podcast conferences were great for that. So those were my goals going in. I hit some, I missed some. So we'll get into this. So first of all, I want to do some general takeaways. 
First of all, I want to tell everybody podcast. If you don't know this already, like we haven't been preaching it for five years to six years on this show. Podcasting is on the map. This was a large gathering of podcasters and the podcast industry. Well over 2000 attendees there, which was on par with their largest attendance in the in the past. And they actually were supposed to have even more people there, but because of COVID didn't. Uh, so it it was a large conference in the say it wasn't like San Diego Comic Con where you had a hundred thousand people, but you had two thousand people there from all over the country. I would say the world, but that's not necessarily true. There were people I know from other countries that couldn't come because of COVID, so they weren't there. I will tell you that there is lots of money flowing just to put this event together, not just in podcasting in general, but just this event iHeartRadio hosted a party at the Horseshoe Club, which is like a line dancing club in downtown Nashville. They had Questlove as a DJ, they had free food and drinks, and they had busing back and forth to the conference area. So that is not cheap. I have no idea how much that costs, but I'm thinking somewhere on the par of twenty dollars to $50,000 just to put that party together. Maybe I'm way off, but I'm thinking along those lines, especially with all the busing and stuff like that. All the graphics and backgrounds that were uh, all the advertisements and everything, the branding that was all over the conference. I mean, there there was coffee that was sponsored by somebody every day, that sort of thing. There's a, just a lot of money that goes into having that. Not only the fact that there's coffee there, but there was branding around the table skirt telling you who actually sponsored the coffee. And for the life of me, I can't remember who sponsored the coffee or not. Uh, there was. Um, and we'll get into this later, and I don't know this for sure, but there's high speculation on my part that it's possible there were pay-to-play presentations and pitches. It's kind of almost obvious to me, and in any event, I think uh, keynote speakers for main conferences like this do actually get paid to be there. So it's not news, this is not groundbreaking or anything, but there's enough money to pay for high-end people. There were big names and big companies involved. Mark Cuban, if you don't know who he is, Shark Tank, he owns the the Mavericks, and we'll talk about that later. Entertainment industry was there, the workers in entertainment industry. They didn't not attend this event. And I'm talking about people that podcast for brands, uh, podcasts that uh, are companion podcasts for entertainment, that sort of thing. They were there. And then branded podcast personalities were there. If you podcast for a big company, like I met the guy that does the branded podcast for Samsung. He was there. So these are big names and big corporations that are there. If you're into podcasting, it's kind of interesting to see all this come together. I will say that the crowd was very diverse and very expanded. There was youth, there was old, there was all sorts of uh, diversity there. It, it just shows how broad the industry is. And I'm very thankful that the industry is as broad as it is because there's a lot of voices and talent and information and education and entertainment that be, can be brought to the microphone, that can be brought to my ears through podcasting. I was glad to see that all in one place. It just gives me hope for the industry, basically, that there is such an interest from a variety of different people that not only are involved, because this is a small percentage of the total podcasters out there, but these were the people that came to the conference. 
There were tracks for audio dramas. I mean, whole tracks for an audio dramas. There were some true crime uh, presentations. I don't necessarily know if there was a whole track for that, but there was sessions for true crime and there were sessions and put multiple sessions for TV companion shows. Uh, One from the corporate kind of branding side, like companion shows and one from like the indie review show, kind of like what I do for uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I will say as a general takeaway that this going to podcast movement or any large podcast conference, it's not a mandatory requirement for a hobby podcaster. That had been the thing a few years ago that if you wanted to podcast and they didn't qualify who, but if you wanted to podcast, you had to go to podcast movement. You had to go to PodFest. You had to be there. I will tell you that's not true. It's not a mandatory requirement. You could put the resources like if I was paying for this on my own and if I was flying to Nashville and if I paid for my hotel for the entire five nights or or whatever around the conference, that would have easily been $2,000 between meals and transportation and the ticket to the conference itself. At the conference, uh, there was food available, but it was just your standard fair Opry land stuff and uh, long lines and that sort of thing. And if you want to get into conference survival stuff, I I can later. but. It's not a mandatory requirement to go for a hobby podcasters. I would put your resources into improving your content and your show. If you want to improve your graphics, pay to improve your graphics. If you want to improve your editing, pay to have somebody edit your show or take a course in how to edit better. I would put your resources into making your show better. And we've talked about that for a long time here on Better Podcasting. I would pay attention to podcasts about podcasting and any online resources for industry changes and improvements. Better podcasting is part of that. We have been touting the benefits of the new things or the existing things, capabilities to the hobby podcasters for years here. And just pay attention. If you're interested in that, you can pay attention to that. Uh, Yes, you'll miss the announcement or maybe your chance to interact back and forth with like Facebook did a presentation. It was virtual, but they did a presentation. You could interact with them if they were there in person and ask them all sorts of questions. Uh, The Facebook presentation was uh, young marketing individuals, so I don't know if they would know very much technical side of things, but uh, that's just an example. Uh, You don't have to know that. You just have to know how to do it and how to take advantage of it. And you don't necessarily have to be at the conference for that. If you do attend in person, this conference, there's a pre-show day on Tuesday. The show days run Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Thursday night. And this is usual for the past few years, by the way, Thursday night is a big party that's done somewhere this year. It was bigger than ever with uh, iHeartRadio. And then Friday, I noticed most people pulled out. I don't know if that was for COVID or most people were up late partying, so they didn't bother coming to the conference the next day or whatever. So if you're going and you have to be judicious on the amount of time that you spend there, I would advocate prioritizing Wednesday and Thursday, the middle two days. And don't worry about showing up on the pre-day. Don't worry about showing up on Friday. Uh, If you have to travel, you know, you've got to get back for work or something like that. I would advocate that. Tuesday, I thought I could get a preview of the expo area, but a lot of people didn't set up until Tuesday night. And they were actually even setting up Wednesday morning. So when the expo area wasn't even available to most podcasters, there was an expo area in the main lobby and then there was an expo area behind closed doors. And you could get to the lobby, but you couldn't get behind closed doors. 
So you couldn't really take advantage of that on Tuesday. And Friday, it was really, a, there was a keynote on Friday morning. There were maybe three dozen people there, maybe. And this is in the big hall that everybody goes into. I will say if this happens to be, if like podcast movement, PodFest, or any of the podcast conventions happen to be in your town. Now, next year, podcast movement is going to be in the Dallas metro area. So if it's in your town or close by, it might be neat to experience. If you're just paying for the ticket, maybe the time off of work to go for a couple of days, it might be neat. But if it's not, it's a lot of money to lay out. And as I said before, it's better to put that money as a hobby podcaster into improving your show. Okay, so let's get into some detailed observations. And Stephen, please stop me if you have any questions. A COVID impact, we'll just handle that up front. Mass, even though it was kind of stated that everybody should be masked up, I would say maybe 5%. Maybe on the top end, 10%, but probably closer to 5% of the attendees were masked up. They tried a button system where if you had a red button, that meant that you wanted no contact whatsoever and maintain a six-foot social distance. If you had a yellow button, that meant that, uh, yes, you can come close to me, but I don't want any physical contact. You know, elbow bump may be fine, but don't hug me or anything like that. And don't spit at me and, and you know, I, I respect my mask. Uh, red, uh, yeah, green meant, hey, I'm good to go. Let's treat it like everything's normal and that sort of thing. Um, by several reports that I heard, because of the Delta variant and the resurgence that had happened just a couple weeks before this conference, I would say about 20 to 30 percent canceled or attended virtually. And so this was going to be like a three to four thousand person attended conference in person. And it was only like 2,000 with another 1,000 or 1,500 that were attending virtually. Ironically, the main conference area in Opryland where this was, this was held at Opryland, Gaylord Opryland, by the way, the main conference area was called the Delta. So it was just happenstance. It was the Delta conference area, um, ironically. At the iHeartRadio party Thursday night, it was really weird because beforehand they said you have to have a mask or they won't let you in, which was true. But once you got in, everybody took off their mask. Now, I kept my mask on the entire time and the, you know, the few people I was with had their masks on, but everybody took their masks off. I ended up leaving, I don't know, half an hour into it or whatever when the, when the room started to get too crowded to the point where I couldn't social distance and I knew that there was possibility that there was going to be uh, transmission. So I was like, you know, I'm just not going to play around. I'm, I'm going to leave. And there was no opportunity to network because the music was too loud. And it, it just got to be the point where what's the point for me to be here? There just wasn't. Now, if you like that sort of situation, you would have loved it. iHeartRadio put on a show. Uh, the Opryland had a large indoor open area. If you've ever been to the Mall of America, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's smaller, but it's kind of like that where you have a covered area and you have this, this um, little town area where you had shops and, and restaurants and so on and so forth. And then you had a conference area, which was open to that, but it had its own little conference rooms. So if you were in one of the open areas, it was kind of like being outside in an inside environment. There was a lot of airflow, that sort of thing. So you could, I think, take your mask off there. Uh, which was beneficial this year. I don't know if other conference areas is like that, right? So there, there was that, and it could have impacted exposure, but in my opinion, still a risk. 
like I said, personally, I was masked at all times. You know, the only real time I took a mask off when I was with somebody other than uh, John and his wife when I was staying at their place uh, was when I took a picture with Amos. He's a podcast producer on a, a couple of other shows, but he, he is on, or used to be on a network with the Undaunted podcast. So I met him for the first time in person. He's huge. Uh, I'm not that small. He's huge. He claimed to only be six one, but he looked like he was eight seven. So um, I, I look really tiny next to him. But I, it was great to meet him and just to take the picture. I took the mask off and and that was it. But it was in one of those outdoor areas, right? Uh, so it was great seeing Amos. Let's talk about the virtual versus in person because this year, among any other, there always has been a virtual ticket, but a lot more people attended virtually this year than any other time. So let's talk about virtual versus in person. Now, I didn't attend during the conference, I didn't attend any sessions virtually, but I knew people that were attending virtually. Cody Goff, who is part of the Gonna Geek Network, he does the Curiosity Daily podcast, he's an award winning podcaster. He attended virtually. Matter of fact, he and his co-host Ashley presented virtually at the conference. They were supposed to be there, but they decided to stay home. So they attended virtually and they presented virtually. Evo Terra, a lot of people know him from his podcast about podcasting. And Steph Fuscio, who runs uh, Pop Rev Day, which is at the eighth of every month. Uh, we talked about her before. Uh, both of us have guested on her other show, The Geopat Show. Uh, she, I know, attended virtually and a lot of other people attended virtually as well. I will say being in various different panels, I never saw an online question being asked to the panelists or even presented to the panelists. It might've happened in other panels that I was not a part of, but I never saw any of their questions being brought forward or comments. Uh, virtual hallway meetups, of course, didn't happen that much. Apparently there was some virtual, like a virtual lobby or something like that, but I didn't hear too many connections being made there. And I think that just stems from the fact that a lot of people have been working virtually for a year, year and a half now. So people attending conference virtually, you get what you want out of it, basically. And a lot of people aren't getting a lot out of those meetups in those uh, virtual lobbies. And I will say, if your purpose is to get educated through the sessions at a podcast conference and they offer a virtual capability... As a hobby podcaster, I would say virtual is just fine. Don't worry about traveling unless it's in your your city or whatever. You can buy that virtual pass and you can experience what's going on, uh, pandemic or no, virtually. I think that's legitimate. It might be more money than you're willing to shell out, shell out, but you can get the experience of what these sessions are without actually attending. Uh, moving on, uh, the monetization definitely was the overall theme. This was an industry conference about money. This was not about the joy and the passion of, of podcasting. This was how can I make my content better so I can monetize? This was how could I use social media in order to monetize? How can I use my connections to monetize? How can I interview better so I can monetize the podcast? That's what it was all about, right? All advice was centered around making your show better in order to or finding new ways to monetize. There was a lot. And this kind of surprised me a little bit. This was, there was a lot of corporate or organizational pitches. These are sessions which were held exclusively as an infomercial towards whatever the content was or capability was. And the biggest one I will have to say was the keynote to the entire podcast conference. Uh, there were a couple, but I would say this was the one that was touted was Mark Cuban. He was coming in 
Uh, for those that don't know, he's created this new company or he's he's backed this new company called Fireside, not Fireside.fm. This is the Fireside chat. So this is like Clubhouse calling it Fireside. And it was all an infomercial about that. It was slightly entertaining at the start. And then we figured out that we weren't going to get anything that was going to motivate us, any any industry insights or anything like that. In fact, he was regressing to the point of podcasting back in 2005. He was referencing podcast 1.0. He was referencing the fact that there is no data at all to give to advertisers. That's false. Of course, there's data nowadays. And he was saying Fireside was going to change all that. And he did not have a good concept of the space. And he did not um, be, he wasn't inspirational to podcasters. It was just all about how you could use their capability to, uh, to stream a show. And it wasn't even a podcast, although you could connect with Libsyn because they're partnered with Libsyn to upload whatever the file was to Libsyn and then distribute it as a podcast. That was it. And I was read the wrong way about it because I was expecting something better than an infomercial. And a lot of people said the same thing uh, during and afterwards. I had uh, somebody sitting next to me that leaned over to me five minutes in and was like, is this the keynote? This is an infomercial. This this is, and then I, we weren't the only ones. It was tons and tons of feedback on it. Uh, The podcasters Academy was also an infomercial. They didn't really give anything of value. It was just come join our podcasters Academy. And for the record, everything I've heard from it is not really beneficial for a hobby podcaster or podcasters in general, actually. So you can make your own, you can check it out, make your own choice, but I'm, I'm not advocating for it personally. Uh, Megaphone, which is now owned by Spotify, they gave an infomercial pitch about how to get personalized data. This is all the data that like through GDPR and and what's the California CCDR or CCPD or something like that. I, I forget the, pri- the, the privacy law that California has that's like GDPR over in Europe. And they were basically touting how they could get around it. And I was actually proud because I didn't say anything, but I was proud of the attendees because they were like, the first question was, how does this not violate GDPR? And the guy hemmed and hawed and, and it was interesting watching him dance. It was obvious he didn't want to be there presenting um, or at least he, he didn't believe in the product anymore. He said it was all vetted. He said it was all available. He said it was all cross-referenced and that's how they got the data. But this is data that I would consider personal data that's personally relevant information that is supposed to be not out there and used in this way. And of course, they were just openly saying, yeah, we can get this for you. I would say the best advice, and I actually tweeted this. I don't know if you saw the tweet or not, uh, Stephen. I said the better advice on the panelists was given by the independent personnel that were there, the independent podcasters or maybe the individual business owners, not the big corporations. Um, some In some cases, yeah, Edison Research, Tom Webster gave a, a great talk, but he always does. I, I really have a lot of respect for Tom. Uh, I have some questions about the data that Tom showed, but he did at least present data and then actionable things that you could do based on that data. I thought that was a very relevant presentation, even if I had questions about it. So I thought the better advice was given by that. I will say that uh, there were very limited hobby podcasters that were participating. I did run into some local people that were there that were actually 
there to be moderators or room um, uh, room uh, I forget what you, you want to call it room, room caretakers or whatever and they were there just to assist the conference and they were actual podcasters themselves just hobby podcasters whatever and they were there just for the tickets to get in and, and to go to the party so I did run into a few people like that but attendees I didn't see much and I don't know how much of that is due to COVID and how much of that was due to uh, just the general fact of these events really aren't for the hobbyists. I mean, I know the conference organizers like Dan Franks have said, yeah, we have uh, we have tracks for the new podcaster. Yeah, but you have tracks for the new podcaster that wants to go ahead and monetize. So I, it was just limited hobby podcaster participation. Uh, the bigger names in podcasting are there. So if you're interested in, in cohorting with them, I mean, you have to have something of value to give to them, but if you're interested in that sort of thing, you can be there, but this was not a place for a fan convention. This was not like San Diego comic-con or C2E2 or dragon con or anywhere where you sit in a panel and, and you're seeing, uh, the, this is how we put together the audio drummer. This is how we put together uh, this or funny stories from interviewing and that sort of stuff that would would you get in that those sorts of cons? There was a little bit of that, but not enough for me to go as a fanboy, as a podcast fanboy for podcasting. I did have a couple of chance meetings. Uh, for the record, Daniel J. Lewis did come up to me and we talked a little bit about the podcasting 2.0 specification. Uh, for those long-term listeners of Better Podcasting, we haven't talked a lot about Podcasting 2.0 on here. I will assure you that I've been paying attention to it. And as soon as it's relevant for the hobby podcaster, we will talk about it. But really, Podcasting 2.0 is for the, uh, the, the media hosts that we all use and whether they adopt the Podcasting 2.0 specifications or not. It's not really up to us. It's up to the industry and uh, I just haven't had a, an inkling to talk about it. But Daniel J. Lewis and I had a conversation about it. So that was pretty nice. Uh, the expo area, now the largest staffed booth, and I would say the busiest booth throughout, if, if you want to compare and contrast the booths, I, I would say, it, hands down, it would go to Lipson. They had the largest staff there, and they had the most people that were stopping by the booths. Now, they did have goodie bags, like literal, legitimate snack bags, which if you walked anywhere near there, they would hand it to you and say, here, take this bag. And you're like, OK, I will take this bag. But uh, aside from that, uh, I had no reason to stop there. But uh, a lot of other people did. And they had the personnel there. The one thing I will say about the Libsyn booth is uh, they had did have some forward facing personnel. But as soon as they started talking to somebody, the personnel ch uh, shifted their back to the convention area so you couldn't interact with them which I, I guess is okay because you'd want to be talking with the person that has stopped by but uh they did that sort of thing um there was innovative booths there so stitcher had like a theater concession stand with like popcorn and, and uh car caramel corn and that sort of thing there i didn't take any but it, it was kind of a fun booth I didn't stop by there. Jack Daniels, because you're in the middle of Tennessee, had a sampling booth. So you could stop by and get your Jack Daniels sampling. Uh, Jack Daniels has a branded podcast. So they were there doing that. Uh, Spotify, I believe it was Spotify. I don't know for sure. Judging by the, uh, the map of the expo area and the location, I think it was Spotify. They had therapy puppies, 
which, okay, I have a puppy at home. I didn't necessarily need a therapy puppy, but a lot of people thought it was great and stopped by whatever. So there's some innovation, innovative booths there. Okay, so let's talk brass tacks here. I've been to various industry conferences and trade shows outside of podcasting for years, decades. And usually I come away with, wow, this, this was really neat. Like San Diego Comic-Con, that was like a religious experience going to. I came away going, wow. And I've heard people doing the same thing out of Dragon Con. C2E2 was kind of like that. I mean, I'm talking about conferences and conventions with like 50 to 150,000 people there, right? And like, I can't believe that there's this many people interested in this. And I'm not, it's like boat shows, car shows, that sort of thing. I've been to those as well. And you come away, oh, wow, did you see this new car or whatever? And you just come away, wow. I did not come away from Podcast Movement 2021 with a wow factor. I didn't like, oh my gosh, I am so glad I went. This was the best thing ever. I can't wait to go back next year. I didn't come away from that. Now, why was that? Um, could it be that I didn't find anything tremendously new and unique? Could it be because I've been podcasting about podcasting for six years and I'm kind of very aware of the space, maybe? Um, or, or maybe it's uh, just because I just didn't have that spark. I don't know, but I tend to think it's because this really didn't have it. It could have, COVID could have been a part of it. Yeah. Like there could have been some people that wanted to roll out some stuff there that just didn't because of COVID. So there was that, uh, Nashville, by the way, I don't want to dog Nashville. Nashville was pretty neat. I didn't realize what a party area downtown Nashville was. We went there a couple of times. I saw downtown Nashville. I was like, oh my gosh. I didn't realize that people take, they travel hundreds and thousands of miles with their bridal parties and, and uh, have them in downtown Nashville. I didn't realize that it's, it's a really a happening place. Uh, I was there the same week that they were setting up the IndyCar race downtown. So they were closing streets and stuff like that, but that was pretty cool. Uh, there, there's a recreational trail that is on the Cumberland River right by Opryland that uh, I went to run on and I didn't realize that there was a decommissioned airfield there. So they had changed that into a recreational trail and me being like a rocket scientist, I kind of like that. And I ran around it and stuff like that. So you don't find that every day. So that was pretty neat. And Opryland itself was pretty neat. So if you're into any of that stuff, Nashville is a great place to visit. I just was there for the conference mainly. So if you have questions for SP, we would love for you to come over to our discord at betterpodcasting.com slash discord we'd love to have you come and uh, ask him those questions there you can also tweet him at better pod if you'd like to tweet better pod or at stargate pioneer on twitter and also if you want you can just come ask him the question at uh, podcast movement 2022 when you see him there when you see him there yeah uh, I'll okay. I'll commit to this if you go to podcast movement 2022 Stephen, I will go to podcast movement 2022 Thank you very much for listening to that replay of what I talked about over on the Better Podcasting live chat stream last week. I do have a few comments after listening to the whole thing. First of all, at the beginning, I said that I would go into the goals, whether I hit it or missed them, and I didn't do that at the end of everything. So I'm going to do that right now. Avoid COVID. That was a uh, that was a hit. I managed to avoid COVID. And how do I know this? Is because when I went back, when I got back, I got tested and it was negative. So yes, that was a hit. 
it it was a little bit unnerving. And then uh, COVID with the Delta variant right now in the fall of or late summer of 2021, it is impacting my area here and is impacting the Nashville area. So that wasn't a sure thing to avoid COVID. So that was very important. Have fun. That was a hit right there. I definitely had fun. I saw people I wouldn't have. It's a fun area to be in. And it was a fun conference area. I've been in conferences before in conference centers. None of them compared to what Opryland Conference Center was like. It was a unique experience. It was only 2,000 people. And I think if it was bigger, like if it was San Diego Comic-Con size big, it wouldn't have been able to hold all of that. It would have been a lot more congested. And even without COVID, I don't think it would have been very comfortable. But for the size of what the conference was, Opryland was a very accommodating venue for it. So yeah, I had a lot of fun there. Uh, Experience a podcast industry conference. I've been to conferences before. I've been to trade shows before, not with the podcast industry. So I'm going to call this a meh. Didn't really hit. It wasn't necessarily a miss, but it was, it was like, okay, I did. I, okay. This is a podcast industry conference and it's not a fan conference. It is an industry conference. I'm not an industry person. I'm a hobby podcaster. We podcast about hobby podcasting. It just was not a good mesh as much as the conference organizers have been touting to me over the years that it would be a good, good hit, a good mesh back and forth. It, it, it just was, I don't think they get hobby podcasting and where we're coming from. So it, it just was a, a miss there. Learn new and innovative podcasting tips and capabilities. I'm going to call this a miss. I'm going to call this a miss because I've been podcasting about podcasting for six years. I heard the same messages over and over. Matter of fact, in reviewing several of the presentations, there were copies of presentations that were given in years before. So I, I really didn't learn anything new. Uh, the, I did talk about Hindenburg and I got a, a demonstration of that. But I just the whole thing, if I was taking the whole experience together, I'm going to call this a miss because it's not necessarily anything that I could have gotten right here from my studio here at home. The next goal that I had going in was find anything of use for a hobby podcaster. Again, I'm going to call this a miss. It's very similar to the previous one. There's not as many things that I, as I thought there might be going into it. I'm just going to call that a miss, maybe a meh, but definitely a meh or a miss there. Spend some time with friends. I'm going to call that a hit. Yeah, I didn't get to spend much time with Amos or anybody else that I ran into, but I did get to spend time with podcasting friends that I wouldn't have seen anywhere else. And if you go to the conference just to meet up with people that you know from across the country and around the world, although this wasn't the year for around the world because of COVID and travel restrictions, but if you want to go somewhere to meet up with people that you know of from Australia or, or different states or different provinces, if you're up in Canada or whatever, that was, it was a hit and it was a hit. It was, it was a bigger part of the com- uh, convention than I thought, but if that's your only reason, you can like travel to their cities and have a one-on-one conversation and, and have uh one-on-one time with them in their cities or they come to you or whatever. So yeah, conference is a neutral ground, but it's not necessarily something that has to happen. It's not mandatory. Uh, okay. Experience a large industry podcast conference as an average hobby podcaster was the next goal. That's May. I kind of run that into ground with two previous goals. And the last one was get motivated, re-energized, and refreshed. And again, I'm going to call that a miss. I'm going to call it a miss. 
because I didn't feel that coming out of it. I felt that coming out of other conventions and trade shows or other business meetings that I've had in the past or fun vacations in the past. This did not have the same appeal to me for all the reasons that I gave. Okay, that was the hits or miss from the goals. Let's talk about some clarifications from the presentation. The first one I want to go into was the pay-to-play clarification. I mentioned that the conference probably paid for some keynote speakers to come in, granted. I meant with that as well that there was probably some industry people that paid to be able to present at the conference. I have no, none uh, uh, proof of that whatsoever. I do have to clarify that, but it just felt to me like people like Mark Cuban, for instance, was paying so that he could do his infomercial as a keynote to podcast movement. And if that didn't happen, it still was rotten gatekeeping by the the conference and who was ever running that track and everything. And, and I feel for it because if I was put in their shoes, I w- might have been snowed over as well, depending on how that whole thing works. I have not submitted to present at podcast movement. And I mentioned that in the presentation because I just, there's not an audience for hobby podcasting. I don't think there's much that I would be able to give to the attendees there. I would want to talk to industry to say, Hey, look, you need to keep in mind hobby podcasters as you develop your capabilities and uh, your pricing structure and stuff like that. But I don't think they would come to the presentation. So anyway, and the, California law that I was referring to, by the way, is the California Consumer Privacy Act or CCPA. It's very similar to the Europe's GDPR. So just want to clarify that. I mentioned that I had a question about some of the things that Tom Webster presented in his keynote on Wednesday morning. And predominantly there there were other things, but the big thing that I remember was I have a question about how he used the definition of what a YouTube podcast is. I would love to get his definition of that in context with the data that he showed with his presentation. There was a few other things, but that was the big thing in there. It really didn't change the motivational part or the tips and tricks of his presentation, but it was part of the data to get there. And uh, a final note, remember podcasting conferences exist for a couple of reasons. Any conference exists for a few reasons, but podcasting conferences exist for a couple of reasons. One, to be a value to the vendors and the attendees, because if you're not a value, nobody's going to want to come. So you have to be a value. And two is to make enough money to be sustainable, to have the conference the next year or to have multiple conferences per year, which is what podcast movement is embarking on. With that in mind, know that any coupon codes or affiliate links are probably there by individuals, other consultants or anybody else that might be going to podcast movement if they happen to have a coupon code or an affiliate link they're there to make the individual money it is a money transaction of what's going on it's not all i'm going to pay my ticket to get into the concert and that price goes to the artist the venue and then Ticketmaster, or wherever you get the ticket from this is a transaction that's going back and forth between uh, individuals as promotion and be mindful what the person it is saying that might have the coupon code or the affiliate link in order for you to spend your money, uh, not only on the conference, uh, but themselves as a referral node, basically. So just keep that in mind 
as you're hearing, you have to go to this podcast conference. Well, as a hobby podcaster, I would recommend that you you don't. My input is that you don't have to go, but it might seem like you have to go if you listen to other people. I'm not going to say it's completely bad. There are some good things, but none of the good things for a hobby podcaster have to be done at the podcast conference. You can have them done at home. So that's it. That's my take on podcast movement and podcast movement 2021. And as we said in the last bit of the recording, I'm not planning on going to podcast movement 2022 at this moment. And one of the only reasons I would go is if Steven said, Hey, I'm going to go. So I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to go. And I want to see Steven. So there you go. And with that, let's get on to the better podcasting download. This is the better podcasting download. The last episode of Better Podcasting, we talked a little bit about Discord threads. This is threads in Discord. If you want to find out more about that, go to the last episode, Better Podcasting number 256. Check out the download there. But we wanted to do a follow-up because once that episode released, we had a bunch of chatter happening from some other people. Even in the uh, chat room, we had a bunch of people talking about it. So it seemed like there was a lot of buzz around it. And now couple weeks have, have gone by and as Pete had mentioned in the previous episode we are going to test it out and we wanted to tell you a little bit about what the experience has been so far with the threads in discord uh, I'll just start off by saying that for me it's been a bit of a surprise that that it's been working as well as it has been uh this is kind of a follow-up to what I mentioned last time where I have a little bit concerns about how threads are are individual of the rest of the conversation. And I have to say, I have seen some of my concerns play out. And what I mean by that is that there have been posts where a threat has been made. And then in the main room, people, a couple replies go by and they don't end up in that thread, either because the thread is created after those replies or people just see the initial message and hit reply and don't actually go into the thread. I've seen that happen. However, there's been quite a few successful cases already, including last weekend, there was a conversation about the microphone arm, and we'll get to that in the feedback in a minute. But the microphone arm that I talked about on the last Better Podcasting live chat, there was a nice little breakout room for people to ask me questions and for me to respond and send some pictures to explain and answer the questions that were being asked. So it was kind of a nice little breakout space. Uh, on the flip side, there's a couple of threads that I thought would get some comments that went nowhere. So now we have this empty thread where I'm just basically in a room talking to myself is what it boils down to. So kind of like real life. But uh, yeah, that that is the Discord experience that I've kind of seen with the threads. Uh, only last note that I'll say is I don't like the one day auto archive. Basically, if it goes by without a day of activity then it auto archives. Now you can restart that conversation, but I would like that to be a little bit longer and you can make it longer if you pay to play, basically if you what's called boosting the server. And I, and I, honestly, I actually mulled it over. I mulled over boosting our server, but then at the end of it, I, I thought, ah, 10 bucks American a month or so, I could probably put that towards something else. So I decided against it. And I, especially with our audience, because we tend to have waves throughout the week because we do release our episodes on Sundays. I noticed that we tend to have a bit of a lull sometimes in, in the middle of the week. And so I would like to see that one day 
be longer without having to pay. I was concerned that when the thread archive that it was closed, that you can go back in. But obviously, I've, I've done it. You've done it. We've gone in. We've been able to open them up again. So that is a issue that I thought was going to be there that wasn't. I do like how you can go in and search, at least on iOS and on the web version. I don't have an active Android right now, so I don't have the Android Discord app to play with right now. But I do like how the threads are listed. You can go in and, and basically search all the listed threads and it art and it shows them in the order where they were last added to, not when they were started, I think. I don't think it was it's by started. Yeah, it's by archive ones because we don't have any active ones at the at the moment. We have several archived ones. Uh, it, it acts like a pin to an entire conversation. That's cool. So if you ever go into Discord and you try to search for like a word, you can go to a post with the word in there. But then you have a problem shuffling in because there might be some other conversations happening at the same time and you don't really see the start and the end to it. So it does segregate the conversation on that specific topic, which is a good thing. But as Stephen mentioned before, sometimes people miss it and they just reply to the normal thing. And it could be just because people aren't used to threads. And I would expect that with any new capability on any chat program. But I do like the fact that you can bring up a list of all the threads that are active and archived. And yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. I haven't really, other than the first one that I started, I haven't really thought of another good topic to start an additional thread. But as they become more and more prevalent to me, I might start a matter of fact, there's been a couple of times over on the space in the outer space uh, uh, room that we're in, that I'm in channel. That's what they're called in, in Discord that I could start something on something like right now, Blue Origin has filed a lawsuit uh, against the selection for the human landing system. That could be a whole thread on its own. So I've been toying with that. So we'll we'll just see. So that's an example of something that I would do outside of the better podcasting thing. So we'll just see how it goes. That's actually a thought that I had was that um, you, because your SP is really into space. If you didn't know this, he's an actual rocket scientist. And so he is regularly posting news in our Discord server under our space channel there. Now, here's the thing is right now in 2021, there is sort of pockets. There's basically streams of development that is happening happening in the space world. And they're pretty much streams. Like you can follow what SpaceX is doing and what this Blue Origin company is doing. You can follow these NASA things. And, and there's almost like this cycle on each of these. And I think that would be a great example of threads where you could have the Blue Origin thread. And so every time there's an update on that, you shove it under the Blue Origin thread and bump it or whatever. And, and then you can go back and you can kind of see the progress or something like that. I think it could really play well because you post quite a bit of news in there. And sometimes for us Joe and Jane averages that aren't aren't uh, fully into the, the space level that you are, um, we get confused because we're like, wait, wait, SpaceX, is it SpaceX? Which one's that? Is that Elon or is that is that Jeff? Oh, which one is that? And, and it takes us a second. So I think you could kind of have these streams, which would work really well. But I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I could see how if you didn't go into the thread, you would miss the post. You mentioned that before. so. 
I don't know. We'll see. I'll tr- I'll try it, and if it doesn't work out, then we'll report back in a month or so to see how it goes. But if you have a Discord server and you haven't tried out Threads, I would advocate you trying out Threads. I know we said we were going to give it a spin. We gave it a spin over a couple of weeks, and it works well enough that I would say you can go ahead and try to use it in your Discord server. So yeah, that's our our quick hit on our our use of threads within our Discord server. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. So I mentioned it earlier in the episode that I have a new microphone arm. I went and I purchased with my own money the Elgato Wavearm LP. If you want to hear my first thoughts on that, check out the last episode of the Better Podcasting live chat. You can also see the unboxing over at betterpodcasting.com. This is something that I wanted to try out on my own. And after that, first thoughts were posted. We had a couple of questions that did come up. And one of them that Damien brought up, Damien the DM, he said, how stowable is it? I know you mentioned something needing an Allen wrench. Was that one specific joint or all of them? And yes, this microphone arm does require an Allen wrench, which they do include. So it does It does actually have an Allen wrench on one of the pivots. And the best way that I can explain it is that this microphone arm, the pivot that controls the height, is where the Allen wrench is. Now, there's a couple other spots that you can if you really want to lock it down, but completely optional. And I am running the other pivot points without tightening it so that I have some movement. And that's the first part of the question. If you want to move the microphone arm side to side, then you don't tighten down a couple of these pivots. And that's what I've been doing since I installed it last week is when I'm done recording, I take it and I tilt it off to the right. It's now hovering over towards my Rodecaster Pro out of my way, away from my monitor. And then I just come on and and move it on back when it's time to record. And that's what I do. And so it'll go side to side. But because of that pivot that you really need to tighten for the uh, height, And in order to take the weight of the microphone, that there means you cannot go up and down. So not stowable in that sense, but if you're stowable as in move it out to the right or to the left, stowable that way. And if you have any questions about that, feel free to come to our Discord server. Uh, That was the question that Damien had, and it might make a little more sense if you check out the full review on the Better Podcasting Live chat. Uh, Also, SP brought up a question I think he brought this up before we did the episode to me directly, but he also mentioned it on the show, which is there are magnets involved with the arm. Basically, where you route the cable through, there's magnets in there so that you have a nice little cover plate. And his question was, will there be interference? Have not noticed anything yet myself. The the live chat last week said that they didn't notice anything either. However, it's a valid question. And Damien, the DM, said, okay, Espy, Find a sacrificial cable and record next week with a magnet attached to the cable. A big one. I want to see what happens to the audio when you try to mess it up. Ha ha ha. So you have been challenged, SB. I have. I do have the big magnet. I have a magnet that can uh, hold 2,600 pounds. I believe it's for water magnet fishing, basically. And I haven't used it yet in the water. But yeah, I will use it in the studio just to do a quick test to see if there's any interference with this. But I got to be careful because you don't want it anywhere near the computer or any other digital electric gear. So 
it'll have to be strategically placed probably on the mic arm itself uh, and and see if it works i'd be cautious of bringing it near the mic i would probably use a long cable though it's like you said sacrificial and i would i would personally route it a little bit away from the equipment and put put the magnet well, there you know, I've got the scissor mic arm and that's metal. I just that's clamp fair. it on on there and the cable's running on the mic arm because I've got the Heil PL2T. So that's I, I could do it. I could do it. And I have a replacement cable and set in case the ca the cable itself messes up. But I don't think it should. I mean, it, all I'm worried about is the actual electromagnetic yeah. field that's running down the cable. And if it is distorted. Now, my magnet's going to be a ton more <laughs> uh, stronger than the magnets in that mic arm. I do have smaller magnets that I use to put on uh, screwdrivers when I'm doing fine electrical work, like on iPhones or something like that, to magnetize the screwdriver so that the screw doesn't fall anywhere. So I could use that as well, see if there's any difference. But my ears are as such, because I have um, ear issues, I, I have uh, degrading ear quality that I don't know if I'll be able to determine the differentiation myself, but I'll record it and I'll put it out there and I'll ask everybody else if they hear it or not. And we'll, we'll just see how that goes. Maybe we'll play it on the next Better Podcasting live chat, which will be in three weeks. Uh, we also had Josh Liston ask us, so when does Better PodCon become a reality? Apparently they're asking for, for a Better PodCon. So should we uh, start a Kickstarter? <laughs> Yeah, this it would have to be crowdfunded in order to have that happen. I've talked to people that have run their podcasting meetups before, and I didn't realize when I attended my first meetup how much money had to be flowing in order to make it happen. And they basically took it out of their own pockets. So good on them for, for doing that to start off with. But as Stephen and I, we don't have as deep as pockets right now to do that so it would have to be crowdfunded so we'll see if we do it and then the whole question of where is it going to be is it going to be in the united states is it going to be in canada is it going to be i don't know josh you willing to host it in australia i've always wanted to get back out to australia i'm, I'm fine going out there josh if you're going to host it well I'll, I'll go and lastly uh sp mentioned hindenburg in his review and he mentioned that he thought that hindenburg would be good for an audio drama well our one of our uh, listeners, Jonas Badger, the one that SP did mention, who does audio dramas, he had a differing opinion. And he said, quote, as an audio drama producer and having seen Hindenburg, I would not recommend it for audio dramas. A new track has to be formed for every distortion. Sorry for the following explanation length. In Hindenburg, if a character speaks normally, that's a track. If that character requires reverb, like they're crawling through a vent, that's another track. If they're walking down a hall, that's another track. Three tracks isn't bad. But say there are four people going down the hall in the vents and outdoors, that's 12 tracks, not including the ambient sounds. I could not endorse this for audio dramas when there are other programs that won't require all these additional tracks. For the record, I know that John S. Badger uses a Adobe Audition for his editing. So that's where he's coming from in terms of his experience with it. And uh, I will say that there he brings up some legitimate points. If you don't want your audio drama, say you have a 20 person cast, it's a big audio drama, but say you have a 20 person cast and then you have to do three to five tracks per individual. That's a lot of tracks doing Hindenburg. The bonus is Hindenburg actually is able to do that. It, we were talking to the Hindenburg rep, John and I were together and they can do at the, the biggest 
file that they had seen was 300 tracks. And that wasn't a limitation. You could do more than that. And uh, that was frightening to John. I could tell by the expression on his face. He, he was like, whoa, that's just too much. And I, I could see that. So, Stephen, you have more editing experience than I do, even though we've been each been doing podcast editing for like 10 years. But you had a, a different spin in the Discord, and I liked the where you came from. So go ahead. Yeah, for me, when I look at this, I, I think that it's really going to boil down to what people's personal preferences for editing workflow. Because for me, like I don't do an audio drama, but just, just mapping out the scenario that John put there for, say, I was doing an audio drama, like he said, I would personally do it exactly like he described, which I, as I would have a track for each individual in each scenario. And the reason why is because as a guy that was editing before he was a podcaster, not anything professional, but like that was that was basically my hobby at the time. Um, you know, I, I did go to school as well for video and things like that. That is is so beneficial to have the control after the fact. So if you go in some scenarios, if you go and you put together a production and let's say you do add a certain amount of reverb for a scenario and and you go and you put the whole thing together and then you play it back after and you hear the whole composition together and you go, mm, it's just too much echo, it's too much. If you go and you apply the echo to each individual clip, now you have to go and try to fix that on each individual clip as opposed to if it's on like a per track basis, you just go and you make one change to the track that is called Steven's Echo or Steven in, in Hallway. And now that fixes all of those clips. So that's kind of like my personal editing workflow. That is actually how I would do it. And, and that's how I do a lot of video things as well, is, is I do try to lay it out and, you, you know, podcasting as well, based off of what is happening and who, who it is. So like for equalization, I would probably have different EQ on SP's audio than mine, which means I would not just lay out one track for in a hallway because I would want to have just general EQ if SP and I were on an audio drama. I would have him normally sounding one way with some EQ and some effects. Well, now when I want to add echo to that, I want to layer on the echo and that's going to be probably different EQ than me. So that's why I'd almost have to have two sets of effects going on. And that's why I would give him a track in the hallway and I would give me a track in the hallway. So I think it just, again, it comes down to personal preference. And some people do perform more of like a, a, a sort of destructive idea, even when it's non-destructive like audition. Some people prefer to apply the clip or the, the effect right to the clip. And that's cool. That's fine. It, it all comes down to personal preference. And so for me, when I when I saw his example, I'm like, that's actually what I would do. <laughs> but teach their own. Yeah, and it does bring up a differing opinion, different point of view. So I want to thank John S. Badger again for commenting on that. So that was uh, excellent to hear, excellent feedback to hear. So thank you very much, John. And I, what you're saying is not wrong. What what I'm saying is not wrong to me. What Stephen is not saying is wrong to him. But the important thing is we're getting this message out to everybody that's listening to the show so they can make up their own mind. And that's exactly why I wanted to put that in here and just to double tap that. Yeah, no, I'm not calling you out here, John, because I believe it is 100 uh, percent a legitimate alternative viewpoint. And I wanted to make sure it was highlighted here so that people could hear that viewpoint. And, and you are an audio drama producer. 
So that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. Before we do go, I'll remind you we're part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing content on there. If you want to check out the Better Podcasting live chat, you can check that out at betterpodcasting.com. Now, there will be a one-week gap on that show there because I am going to be, well, staycation next week. So um, Better Podcasting, this feed will not be affected. But if you want to check out the Better Podcasting live chat, just know there'll be a bit of a gap in the bi-weekly cycle over on that show. And we'd love it if you would check that out there. We do take questions and answers on that show. So if you want to check that out, as we've mentioned before, you can come join us live on Tuesdays when we do record at 5 p.m. Pacific. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time at geeks.live. And also, I just want to point out that for the rest of the year here between now and November, it's going to be hit or miss on when we record uh, if we have to miss a week or something like that, so just pay attention and we will be returning probably in November to normal te- ops tempo here. So we'll have better podcasting one week and better podcasting live chat the other week, all on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then the fully produced shows will release on Sunday night, maybe Pacific time. So for episode number 257, of better podcasting. I'm Stephen John Drew saying, oh, might be time to bring back Robot SP. <laughs> and I'm SP saying, thank you very much for listening. I look forward to your feedback and we'll see everybody in two weeks. Bye. See ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.